Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. On Sunday, we continued our series called This Is Us. Join us for part two as we talk about who we are as a church. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate uh, the kind words, and uh, I love you guys all too. Uh, A couple of things before we get started. Coming up in the month of November, October is flying by at light speed. Um, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like next Sunday is the last Sunday in the month of October. And starting in the month of November, we are doing a group study together on an app called the YouVersion Bible app. And I know almost all of you in this room have a smartphone. And so what I need you to do is if you do not have the YouVersion app, Bible app, on your phone to download it, create a profile, and then find me on there and add me as a friend. And it's okay because you're not going to be able to post any of your club pictures on Saturday night there. I won't see all of the stuff that's going on in your life. Okay, it's all about the Bible. That's all that's going to happen there. But what we want to do is we want to gather everybody together and we're going to do a group study on this app in the month of November. It's kind of a way to engage us in the Bible other than being here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. And so everybody find that, find me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N-L-A-N-E, add me. And as soon as we get this thing together, I'm going to send off a uh, request to everybody from the church that I have on the Bible app. And uh, we're going to do this study together, okay? And so please do that. Please get that so that we can engage in God's word together outside of our Sunday morning service. You guys good? You guys ready for that? You want to engage God's word? Are you guys just hungry? Is that the deal? Because you know what? It smells like fried chicken in here, doesn't it? And it's really hard to concentrate when the room smells like fried chicken. I'm going to be honest, I would rather just go grab a drumstick right now and tear it up, but we've got a message to get to, and so this is week two in our series called This Is Us. And uh, what we're talking about in this series is we are looking at who we are as a church and why I chose the title This Is Us Us, to match the TV show for those of you that are fans of the TV show is that many times, just like the TV show, many times an organization, when it's trying to figure out who they are, when they are trying to figure out how they need to move forward, a lot of times what they do is they look back in the past and allow the past to define the future. And that's exactly what happens to a lot of the characters in the TV show, This Is Us. We'll look back on the church, what it was 20 or 30 years ago, and we'll say, man, that's where we need to have it at. That's what we need to be doing. That's who God wants us to be. And uh, the thing is, is that we try to restart programs and ministries that were effective to previous generations in hopes that they will reach this generation. But we are doing the same thing that the U.S. Army did back in the 1930s when they were preparing for World War II. See, the the U.S. Army went out and they bought all kinds of horses to rearm their cavalry. But the problem was is that the Germans were building a new cavalry and it was made up of tanks. And tanks and horses are no fight for one another. We cannot, um, um, we cannot buy horses. We cannot prepare for uh, a war by putting horses out there when people around us are rolling around in tanks. We can't look backwards and let we have, what we have done in the past define us. Now, one thing we did discover was that the mission that Jesus has given has not changed. The method of how we make the mission happen has, but the mission is still the same. Just like the U.S. Army, their goal was to win World War II. Okay, that was... 
their mission. How they accomplished it changed from the previous war, and our mission has not changed either. Jesus has given us a word, his mission. How we have phrased Jesus' mission is this. Fam is here to connect people to Christ. This is what we are called to do. This is what we are called to live out. This is the thing that hasn't changed. The mission is critical and important to make this mission possible. There are several things that I said to us as a church that we need to understand and realize going into this. And the first thing that we needed to realize was this. Hell is real and people are actually going to go there. And I know it's not the politically correct thing to say in this day and age, but the truth sometimes is not politically correct. Another thing that we see there is... um, Um, how did I get lost already? Yeah, that's what it is. It's got to be the chicken. The second thing that we saw is that we need to realize that our church is not about us. The goal, the purpose of the church is for those outside of the walls of the church to reach out to them and to show them who Jesus is. And so we can't expect this church, this organization, to be about us, our wants, our needs, and our desires. Yes, you know, we do have to meet our church's needs, but if that's where our focus is at, we become selfish and self-centered, and it just coincidentally, our next message series, when we finish this one next week, is going to be about selfishness. And so um, we're going we're gonna to be looking at it. And then the final thing thing is that we need to believe that the best days are ahead of the church and not behind it. Okay, we can't be looking back there and saying, oh, I wish those days were back. Instead, we need to be looking this way and saying, I can't wait until we get there and I'm going to do what I can to get us there. All right, so let's move on to this week and see how we are going as a church and individuals to live out this mission of connecting people to Christ. In other words, how do we do that? And I think the question of how is something that we all ask ourselves on a regular basis, I hope, right? At work, how do you do that? At school, how do you do that? At home, how do you do that? I mean, um, I, I ask myself that question all the time. One time in particular that I did not ask the question, though, was in 10th grade in my biology class. And so we had this... Uh, 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 what was that, student teacher, right? It's where a student who's preparing to become a teacher comes in and spends so many weeks in the classroom. Do they still do this sort of thing? Okay, I didn't know if they did that or not. But, okay, so they, they came in, and so this guy was uh, wanting to be a biology teacher. He was leading our biology class, and, and so he had this project for us. And I really didn't care to pay attention to what he was saying about this project in class. I mean, when I was in high school, I would stay up till like 2 in the morning. I had to be school started at 7.30. I was tired. It was way easier to doze off in class than it was to actually pay attention in class. And so he's going on about this project, and my thought is this. I got a book. I'll just read the book and figure out the project, right? So I get this project home, and it's about the circulatory system of animals. And so I'm reading this chapter, and I'm looking at this project that he sent home with us, and I'm going, what on earth, the book and this project, I can't get the two connected together. I read the chapter like four times, and finally I said to myself, you know what, I'm just going to wing this one here. And so I just went through, and I read the questions, and I came up with all sorts of biological concepts on the circulatory system of a bird, okay? And I turned that bad boy in, and I was so excited because I figured, yeah, I nailed this one. Well, after we turned it in and he had a chance to grade, him, grade them, he asked me one day to stay after class. I went to talk to him and he told me that I got nothing right on the project. 
everything I did was wrong, and he wanted to know where on earth I got these ideas from of the circulatory system of this bird. I came from my brilliant 10th grade mind. Because in 10th grade, you know everything, right? Right? Who's in 10th grade over there? You know everything when you're uh, 15, 16, 17. But this is the thing. I don't want any of you to be that guy or the girl that when you stand before God, God says, dude, what did you do on this project that I had given you of living this mission out? And so for the final two weeks, this is what we're going to talk about. And uh, we've already discussed this, but we have a mission, and the, um, and the church is the key to living that mission out. Jesus did not start the church because he felt like people needed something to do on Sunday mornings. Jesus did not start the church to add something else to our life. Jesus did not start the church to bore us to death for an hour or so. See, he started the church so that we could, as a group of believers, live out the mission that he has given. So we, we had a place where we could go to do the how of connecting people to Christ. Does that make sense to everyone? It's a place where we can go to live out together what the mission is. And so this morning what we're going to do is uh, we're going to turn to the New Testament to see how the early church uh, lived this thing out. We're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 42 through 47. Uh, Acts is the book after uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. If you aren't able to find it, it'll be on the screen behind me. And this book of Acts is written by a dude named Luke, okay? And, and Luke was a pretty sharp guy. Uh, uh, he was a doctor. He was also the guy who wrote the book of Luke. And uh, for some of the events that are recorded in Acts, Luke was there and witnessed firsthand what was going on. And so when you read the book of Acts and you see the word, we did this or we did that, it means Luke was there for what took place. And uh, so parts of the book are a first-hand account of the church as it grew across the Roman Empire. And so with that, let's read our verses for this morning, starting in verse 42 of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. And this is what it says. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what's going on here in this text? What, 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 what transpired uh, in this? Um, and uh, what, these events here that we read just took place shortly after the uh, Jewish holiday uh, called the Day of Pentecost. And the Day of Pentecost was the day on the Jewish calendar. And for those of you who don't know this, the early church was all Jewish, okay? There was, there was very few Gentiles in the early church. But um, um, during that week, uh, this, this day was during the week called the Feast of Weeks where the Jews celebrated and thanked God for the holiday. It was like an ancient harvest festival. And on this day, the day of Pentecost, they celebrated the day that Moses was given the Ten Commandments by God on Mount Sinai. The day of Pentecost became an important time in church history because on this day, the church was officially started. See, the Holy Spirit came on a group of 120 believers that were gathered in an upper room of a house. And after the Holy Spirit came down, Peter stepped on a balcony and spoke to the thousands that were on the streets of Jerusalem because of this feast. As a result of this message, the church added 3,000 to their number that day. That's a lot of people. That's rapid growth. 
I mean, just try and picture that here. If all of a sudden next Sunday, 3,000 people try to come into this building. And because of this rapid growth of church, they had to have a plan. And they had to have it fast so they could live out what God was calling them to live out. They had a clear mission, but, the thing, but things had now changed. The 120 that were gathered in that upper room were people who had spent time with Jesus. It was during that time that Jesus showed them the how of connecting people to Christ, but Jesus wasn't there anymore. The disciples had to come up with a plan of how to move people from knowing nothing about Jesus to living on his mission. And in this section of the book of Acts, we see the things that the church used, the plan that the disciples came up with to do the how of living on mission. In this section, we see that the church was doing five things. They're about discipleship. They gathered for the apostles' teachings. About fellowship, they broke bread and hung out. About worship, they praised God. Evangelism, people got saved daily. And ministry, they gave to anyone that had need. And so there's some words in there that I just threw out that if you don't have a church background, you maybe don't understand. And so we're going to dig into these a minute. And a couple of these we've discussed in recent weeks. And so we're just going to kind of brush over them because I don't want to go into detail. I mean, we discussed uh, uh, this one last week, so we're not going to spend much time on it other than to say a couple of comments. The first one, discipleship. We talked about that last week. Discipleship is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And it involves two things. It involves taking in God's word and then from taking in God's word, it involves us then going and giving out the word that was put into us. And so if God has spoken something, if God has said something, whatever God has said in his word, we bring that into our lives. And then when we head out the doors of the church, we take that word and apply it into our lives and see it in operation. We are not a true disciple of Jesus if we do not only listen to the words, but we got to do what they say. If you are just learning what the Bible has to say, um, If you're just sitting there learning what the Bible has to say so we have this information in our brains and think that that makes us a disciple, we're deceiving ourselves. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. That is discipleship, learning what Jesus has to say so that we can apply it to our lives and do what it says. The second one that we've talked a lot about recently is evangelism. Evangelism is telling people about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Evangelism takes many forms. It's like our food distribution uh, on Wednesdays. It's about the pancake breakfast. It's about adopt-a-block projects that we take on. It's about feeding the Mulberry High School football team and running the chains for the home games. It's about rigorously honest group on Monday nights. It's about grief share on Tuesdays when it's in operation. It's also about all of us doing what we can to reach those that are far from God, engaging them in conversation and showing them the hope that is in us. That's evangelism. And so let's move on to fellowship. And this is one of the ones that we are going to focus down on this morning. And and there's a couple of reasons for that. But what fellowship is, it's just a fancy way of saying a getting together outside of the four walls of this church and spending time together as brothers and sisters in Christ. What fellowship is not is it's not coming in the doors of the church, talking to somebody for two minutes in the entryway of the church, and then leaving. Okay, it's not getting up and saying, hi, how are you doing? Uh, when, when we have that brief time where we high-five each other or whatever during the service. You see, in the New Testament, the word that has been translated as fellowship only, was only used when it involved close connection between people. 
It never meant casual acquaintances. It never meant the people that we knew their names and would say hi to them, but after saying hi, we would just walk off, walk away, and not engage in any sort of conversation. It's never the friends that we have on our Facebook, our Instagram, or our Snapchat that we know their names, we know their faces, but we know very little about their lives. That is not in this category of fellowship. The word was meant to be people who were connected on a deep, personal level, never about surface relationships. And so when we talk about fellowship in the church, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a group of people who spend time together, who know each other, who care about each other, who are there to pick each other up, who are there to help each other out, who are there to to carry each other's burdens. And that does not include our families. The families is excluded from this whole concept of fellowship. And we got to understand that in this world that we live in today, people are desperate for this sort of relationship. Many people that walk through the doors of any church on a Sunday morning This is what they are looking for when they walk through those doors, okay? They're not looking for Jesus. They're not looking for a killer worship experience. They're not looking for a pastor who can can just tear up the word of God or whatever. They are looking for connection and relationships. And the reason is simply this, because relationship and relationship building is breaking down at a rapid rate in our society because we no longer have relationships with people. As teenagers or even adults, when you play video games, you don't have, we used to have to have a bunch of people over to your house to play video games. Now they can all sit at their own houses, put on a headset, and play video games and not have to have contact with the actual people that they are playing video games with. We text message each other and message each other on messenger apps, but never or hardly ever talk face to face. We spend time separated from others on our electronic devices. And you know, I'd always thought um, Apple has this new feature called, uh, I can't even remember what it was called, but it's something that it it tracks all of the stuff that you're doing. And every month it pops up and lets you know how much time you're spending on your phone. And I thought, I, I mean, I don't spend generally a lot of time on my phone, but my stats popped up for the first month today And in the last month, I spent 24 hours on my phone. I was blown away by that. Because I was like, really? I just don't see it. I don't see myself spending that much time on my phone. But 24 hours of the last month was spent. One whole day was spent on this device. And doing that is destructive to our relationships. And this one is a little bit, I was so surprised by this one. See, it's gotten so bad with relationship building that young men prefer internet pornography to finding a woman because they literally do not know how to talk to a girl, let alone build a relationship with one. Our culture and the way we live is destroying relationships, and in the process, it's destroying us. See, we are wired. We are built for personal relationships. But we are creating a society that is not having that, and people are desperate for real relationships, and they're looking to the church 
to meet that need. But the incredible thing about Jesus was he saw this. He could see this in the future, and so he made this as a part of who we are as a church to be living on mission to build relationships from one another. And I know this is a radical shift from what it was like in the past 30 years ago. People were at church uh, because it was in their neighborhood. It was part of their denomination that they grew up in and had political influence, business connections, and other things like that. Now the primary reason that, things, that people come to try to connect with the church is they try to connect with other people. They've been studying this over the years, and they found that churches that are good at relationships are good at connecting people to Christ. And see, what I love about Rigorously Honest Group is that's what they do in there. They build relationships with one another. I mean, I, I always see the people from that group hanging out together and talking to each other. And This is not a thing where I'm saying, look, you've got to have a relationship with everyone in this room. Physically impossible, okay? Physically impossible, but you need to have a relationship with a group of people that you have close connection with it outside of our family, outside of our normal family at the church. Not a closed group, a group that's open and willing to invite new people into the group. A closed group is a clique. If you do not feel connected or are new to FAM Church and you are thinking, yes, that needs to happen here, there is one question that I have for you, though. What are you doing to make that happen. Because what we got to understand is relationships are a two-way street. Okay, relationships are not one person putting in all the effort and work to make it happen. People, we need to be, everybody needs to be working together to try and build relationships with one another. That's how we get there. And one of the greatest ways that you can connect with others here is by being a part of a ministry team which incidentally is also one of the things that was in the text that we read earlier that the early church was doing to make the mission happen. See, that's part of being a part of a team. When you become a part of a ministry team, it puts you in a group of people with like minds, with like thoughts that you can build relationships with. And maybe you're saying to yourself, but I'm not seeing that happen in my ministry. Well, we're working on that. I just want to tell you that we're working on that. We've been having some team leader meetings, and in those team leader meetings, we have been discussing how we need our teams to be building relationships with one another. We've been challenging our ministry leaders to be doing activities with, our, uh, with their teams outside of the church, uh, taking, you know, just going places, like going out to eat, going miniature golfing, going bowling, going and doing something outside the regular confines of the Sunday morning ministry experience. So let's talk about ministry. Not only will it help you build teams, but it will allow you, or, or build, uh, build people you can have fellowship with, but will have you using your gifts and talents for Jesus. See, most people think that ministry is about the pastor and the people that work for the church and what they do for their jobs. Yes, that's part of ministry, but it's way more than that. See, ministry should be part of the life of everyone who follows Jesus. There's nothing complicated about it. We do not have to go and take all kinds of, we got this idea in our head that, oh, I got to go off and take Bible classes. Oh, I got to go off and, and, and learn all this stuff. And I've got to know the Bible backwards, forwards, and sideways in order to be able to do that. But it is not true. That is not how it works. That's not what you have to do. 
All it is, ministry is allowing Jesus to use you and your gifts and your talents to make an impact and a difference in somebody else's life. It means we make ourselves available to Jesus to use for the things, use us for things that he's using to advance his mission of connecting people to Christ. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be cleaning toilets. You could be cutting the grass. You could be taking care of the... uh, the landscaping out front. I hope everyone noticed this morning when they walked in the door how good the landscaping has looked as uh, Chris Whitener and Jason were uh, busy all week taking care of that. Leading in our youth, our children's department, first impressions, these are all ministries. And if you're involved in something that pushes the mission forward, that is ministry. Then the final thing that we have here is this word worship. The word worship comes from the old English word worthship. Worthship means to pay special respect or ascribe worth to some person or thing. So when we talk about worshiping something, we're talking about giving it worth through our words, actions, and time. That is a big expansion of what is generally thought of as worship in a church. In a church, we think of the time and the service uh, where we sing. But it's way more than that. It's more than the songs we sing on Sunday morning. It's more than the service we have. Ascribing our worth to Jesus is about our whole life. It's about our words, our actions, and our time being centered and lived for him. But I would like to move back to what happens in here on a Sunday morning. The singing, that aspect of worship. And for that, I want to talk about some patterns that they've noticed in the United States in nonprofit giving. And you're going to say, what? That doesn't make sense. Well, it's going to make sense. Also, please don't check out because the point here is not about giving that I'm going to make. But here's what they found, that giving to nonprofits in the United States is at an all-time high. There's never been more money going to nonprofits. But what they've also found is that There's never been a time in U.S. history where less money is going to the churches either. So nonprofit giving is up, but giving to churches is at an all-time low. And so what they did was they wanted to find out why this was. And so they started to dig into it and started to send out questionnaires, and here's what they found. They found that the reason church giving was so low and nonprofit giving was so high was because the nonprofit organizations had a passion for their mission and the passion of the mission that that organization had led people to give to its work. Well, the church in general had little to no passion for their mission and so people were taking their money and putting it in places where the mission was moving forward. That should communicate something to us. Because what should be happening here? Let's say, let's say, let's give this, let's say some guy, multi, the, the lottery is at some insane amount of money right now, one point something billion dollars, okay? So let's say some guy in Florida, some guy in this area wins this lottery and he's going around with his checkbook and he walks in here and he says, I'm going to write a check to this church based on the passion that I see coming from the people on a Sunday morning. How big of a check do you think he would write to Fam Church if he were to walk in the doors? Think about that for a second. 
Because if we are here passionless and lifeless, then those who do not know Jesus are going to walk in the doors and say, man, these guys aren't even excited about Jesus. How am I going to get excited about Jesus? And they're just going to keep going. We've got to have a passion for what Jesus wants to do here, and it starts off with passionate worship on a Sunday morning. You know, we come in here, and our expectation, we've gotten, so, we've gotten wired as Americans that we want to stand around and wait for, well, let's, let's go in there and wait for God to move on us. Guess what God is doing? He's waiting on you to move on him. Every time God moved in a situation all throughout the Old and New Testament, there was someone who was expecting God to do it. Think about Jesus' encounter with the woman with the issue of blood. The events are given to us in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34, and this is what it says. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Does anybody relate to that story right there? No, yes, maybe. When she heard, <laughs> when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and be, and be freed from your suffering. So when does this lady's healing begin? See, it begins with her expectation that if she goes and touches Jesus, she's going to be healed. If I touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Too many of us, we sit back, if we would have been in that position, probably me, if I would have been in that position, I would sit back and go, Jesus knows I've got this problem. Why doesn't he come and touch and heal me? But this woman said, you know what? I am not going to sit back and wait for God to move on me. I am going to step forward, move forward, and touch God and get my healing. And that's the way our worship should be marked. On a Sunday morning when we walk in those, these doors and the music starts and we begin to worship, we should have the expectation that God is going to do something, that we are going to come in passionate and ready to see Jesus do that. And that should be reflected in everything that we are and everything that we do as we walk through these doors on a Sunday morning. See, if the man with the checkbook or the woman with the checkbook were to walk in here, they should want to write such a big check because they see the passion flowing out of us, the desire and the, the heart for God and everything that Jesus has for us coming out of us. Church, the two areas that I focused on, fellowship 
and worship is areas that we really need to focus on as a church. Because I have seen this played out so many times since I have been at this church. Relationships make a huge difference. Relationships make a difference in people's lives when they're hurting, when they're in pain, when they're struggling, when things are going bad. Because they're not waiting for me to call them on the phone and ask if everything's okay, but they've got people that they're in connection, close connection with that are doing that already. Because when you're in a church and the only person it seems that loves or cares for you is the pastor, the church is in trouble. We need to build those relationships. We're going to be working on that. It's one of my goals for 2019. I have set five goals for 2019, and one of them is going to be to drastically improve our connection as believers here at this church. And then we need to be passionate. Guys, we need to come in here on a Sunday morning. Those of you who are regulars here at FAM Church, Man, when you walk through these doors and the music starts, let's be excited. Let's have just this excitement over us of, I get to worship Jesus. I'm not going to worry about anything else, anyone else around me. But I'm just going to go after God. I'm going to go after him with everything that I have because he came after me with everything that he has. And so those are the two areas of focus that I want to be focusing on the coming weeks, the coming month, and the coming year to help us as a church be able to thrive in a new day, in a new age where relationships and connection and passion are important, are incredibly important to making an impact and making a difference for the gospel. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.